This is Radio Salon, a weekly discussion segment with our panel of experts. Let me introduce our panelists first. Uh, joining us, uh, independent legal researcher from Law Quant LLC, Professor Chung Huang. Hello to you. Morning, Henry. Good morning. And also joining us, research fellow at Yonsei University Institute for North Korean Studies, Dr. Pong Young-sik. Dr. Pong, good morning to you. Good morning. We are today going to be discussing a topic that uh, is potentially going to be uh, quite troublesome for many of us who rely on medical services, and that is the impending nationwide strike by various segments of the uh, medical community in protest over the government's plans to increase medical university admission quotas. So, uh, just to give a little background on the issue right now, uh, the government, uh, in light of the pandemic right now, has uh, decided that there is a need to increase the uh, the supply of medical experts to help treat the community, particularly uh, in terms of epidemiology uh, expertise. And so, uh, there is a plan now to increase the number of medical students applying and admitted to medical um, med schools uh, on a yearly basis, uh, which would then uh, provide more doctors uh, for Korean society. The opposition then, um, namely uh, from doctors, are that uh, this would dilute the talent pool, that this would cause a degradation in quality of services, but maybe some cynics believe that uh, it would uh, maybe hurt their lucrative salaries, and uh, maybe um, that is sort of a cartel uh, kind of a reaction to all of this. So where do you guys stand on the issue? You can always text us at pound 1013. We'll be discussing this with our expert panelists. And uh, me personally, I do not have uh, any medical uh, expertise, so to speak. Our two panelists are uh, technically doctors. They have doctorates, although I don't know if I would trust either of them to uh, treat my broken foot right now. No offense to uh, either. No, no, no. no. I agree with you because uh, I'm not the kind of doctor who can actually help people. But you are a doctor who can analyze the situation and, I guess, uh, um, uh, see what your other doctors in the medical field are uh, feeling about this. Um, give us your initial thoughts on uh, what the government's plans are and uh, why the doctors are so upset about it, or at least a particular segment of doctors are upset about this. Well, uh, we can make a um, com- comparison with the, uh, the similar controversy uh, with the law school system. Mm. Um, some people argue that uh, South Korea, uh, considering its... Um, scale of uh, economy and the population, uh, the number of uh, lawyers is still too small compared to other uh, member countries of uh, OECD. Uh, for instance, if you, in, in terms of the number of lawyers uh, for GDP uh, in uh, the range of uh, uh, 100 million U.S. dollars, the United States is uh, number one uh, for 6.86 lawyers per Uh, GDP uh, for 100 million U.S. dollars. And the U.K. follows with a 6.79, Germany 4.63, but Korea is only 1.5. So if you want to keep uh, up with the uh, the OECD standards in terms of uh, supply of reliable and affordable uh, legal services, you got to increase the number of lawyers. Uh, But uh, still... Um, according to uh, the proponent of the, this view, then if you uh, pass, uh, have the other graduates from law schools pass uh, the bar exam uh, in the uh, range of the 95 percentage, still uh, South Korea uh, will not reach the level of a number of uh, lawyers uh, at the level of uh, uh, top OECD member countries by 
the year 2049. But the opposite argument is that um, you got to control the quality of legal service. You cannot just uh, provide uh, a bigger number of lawyers without guaranteeing the quality of their capacity and service. So um, it's a, a matter of um, looking okay. at the same thing from different perspectives. Well, that's an interesting point to start off with by Dr. Bong because uh, we do have a, a resident a lawyer here, uh, somebody... Uh, Professor Huang, you've taught uh, students of law for for, uh, uh, quite a number of years in the past. Uh, Where do you stand on this issue? I mean, just particularly related to your specific field and that idea that uh, there was a a desire to increase uh, the talent pool here and well, as far as legal services are concerned and this idea that Korea, uh, among all things that Korea excels at, digital and all all this other stuff, uh, the services sector is still sort of uh, lagging behind maybe the rest of the industrialized world and maybe a legal profession is, is one of that. Do you think it is apples and oranges in terms of the question with medical school students or are, is there a similar phenomenon at play with the legal profession? Well, I think on one hand, I think it is uh, it kind of has a common question about, you know, in terms of professional licensing, you know, who should regulate it and how, how should it be regulated? And, you know, in the doctor's cases and lawyer's cases, but basically doctors and lawyers are saying that, you know, we should be self-regulating. But at the same time, it's a little bit, uh, you know, uh, you, you call hypocritical in the sense that, you know, these professional organizations do not necessarily have the, you know, greater community, you know, interest at heart. You know, you, know, you might actually listen to their talking points and they might pretend. But in the end, you know, as a lawyer myself and, you know, looking at the doctors, I mean, you can't help, you know, with thinking that there is there's the self-interest that's really driving the underlying motives, not, you know, the greater community's rights. But at the same time, if you take away those powers from the lawyers and doctors, I mean, who and how do we regulate professional licensing? And I don't think any country around the world has really the right mix. Yeah. It's always, you know, the, the clash of different interest groups and the, the end point being that nobody gets you know, 100% happy, maybe that's, that, that's the, uh, the, the outcome that we all strive for. Maybe not to as big an extent here in Korea, but I, I do believe uh, in the Western world, at least, there's a bit of a nuance in the different perception, though, with, with let's say, increasing number of doctors versus increasing the number of lawyers. And again, I hope you don't take offense, but no, in, in the all. West, there's a perception, oh, man, do we need more ambulance chasers? Do we need more <laughs> greedy uh, lawyers who are trying to uh, get all these retainers on that? And so uh, there, there, there seems to be a little bit of resistance in, in the human mind that uh, lawyers are necessarily a, a, a a value added to society as opposed to, let's say, somebody who is going to try to cure you of a disease, right? Do you do you Absolutely. Agree? At the same time, you know, I mean, you know, the lawyer jokes abound in the United yeah. States, but at the same time, nobody really talks about how, you know, rapidly the share of our GDP, the legal costs are rising, but everybody do talk about how rapidly, you know, the healthcare costs yeah. actually rise. And that's, part, you know, it's not all entirely falls in the medical profession, but they're part of the problem. Right. And in the U.S., it's kind of notorious for spending so much on healthcare as a percentage of GDP, but not getting kind of the outcome that you see in other Western par- uh, part of the world. Someone texting us uh, through our pound 1013 uh, message system, it costs 51, uh, uh, 6692, saying, I believe that increasing the quota will benefit society because it will make medical services more affordable by competition. Now, Dr. Bong, you gave the example of uh, um, lawyers and, and that uh, supply increase. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a joke, but do, do you feel that uh, we also need to increase the supply of international relations and uh, particularly North Korean experts in terms of... Um, 
uh, having more admissions for, <laughs> for um, PhDs? In principle, yes, I agree. Because uh, more has usually produced better you know, wisdom. Right. Um, and in defense of the government's proposal, uh, supported by the ruling party, to increase the number of um, uh, students admitted to medical schools um, you know, by 4,000 in the next 10 years. So basically... 400 uh, new medical students will be admitted to uh, medical uh, school each year for the next 10 years. And 300 of them uh, every year uh, will receive the scholarship. So then they don't have to worry about their education and training. But they, in return for receiving the fellowship that they have to, after they will have acquired a medical license to practice, they have to uh, work in specific fields, like uh, uh, serious illnesses or the essential uh, medical services. They are not allowed to open their own you know, uh, doctor's office. Yeah. So there's an element of providing a substantial number of new doctors in the field's desperate need. Uh, in the spirit of the public health and service. Uh, so um, it, is, it is clear that the, this proposal uh, was triggered by the uh, realization of uh, um, urgency on the ground in dealing with uh, you know, global pandemics yeah. and other challenges to the general public health in the uh, midst of um, South Korea coping with COVID-19. Let me give an example. Uh, our hero, um, Madame Jung Eun-kyung, now leading the Korea Center for Disease Control and Prevention, was the GOAT when South Korea uh, was hit by the MERS, uh, Middle East uh, uh, Respiratory uh, Syndrome Disease, in 2013. Uh, she uh, took the position as uh, head of the Emergency uh, Situation Center. But uh, he, uh, I'm sorry, uh, she uh, received the uh, suspension And uh, later, uh, it was reduced to the uh, the, uh, reduction of uh, wage cut salary because of her uh, responsibility for mishandling the MERS outbreak in 2013. But um, thank God, she decided to remain in the Korea Center for Disease Control and Prevention. without leaving the center. Right. I, I, I don't want to get too political, right. but many, so, many do feel so, that she was unfairly scapegoated for uh, what the, was perceived to be the, the government's uh, overall incompetence uh, with that. But, but imagine this. How long can we have to, uh, do we need to rely on some hero's, you know, good uh, you know, decisions or their spirit of public service to maintain the system as reliable? Uh, because uh, uh, only two um, members uh, in the Infectious Disease uh, Center uh, re- has their license as an epidemiologist. So you need more doctors yeah. in these uh, centers. So um, you need to pour more doctors in this field. to deal with a massive uh, pandemic. I mean, uh, pretty clear that uh, we are coming to a consensus that uh, this is uh, a a positive benefit for society to have an increase. At the same time, we are a system based upon uh, free market and capitalism. So uh, we can't just ask medical doctors to prioritize uh, their uh, commitment to public service at the expense of their personal interest. You have to have the right balance between the two.
But uh, Professor Huang, I mean, it, it does feel, uh, just re- reflecting our listeners' comment as well, that uh, this could help uh, make things more competitive and maybe even uh, result in some uh, consumer benefit in terms of patients and, and costs and, and all of that associated. Could you potentially play a devil's advocate role for us uh, as to why doctors would be opposed to this? And I think we should uh, delineate between the idea uh, the internists, uh, the interns uh, who uh, are set to go on strike are the uh, new pending doctors who might feel that their bottom line could be affected uh, going forward because they're already in the system being accepted into schools. And then you have this uh, KMA, this Korean Medical Association, which, uh, again, we should Um, point out generally are a lobbying group for clinicians. They're not some kind of medical kind of expertise lobby uh, uh, association in that sense of like a research and R&D type of institution. They basically represent clinic doctors, basically uh, people who own their own businesses and not necessarily the university or the big general hospital doctors. Why are they so angry? Well, I mean, let's look at the group that actually is for uh, is actually kind of you know vocally supporting this proposal is the uh, Association of the Hospitals, and you basically see kind of you know interest kind of uh, you know coming head to head in the sense that the hospitals actually want to sort of keep the you know the the remuneration for uh, doctors low, so they they feel like any proposal that expands, uh, the, you know the the, the 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 pool of doctors is a good idea. That's why the you know, big hospitals are actually for this latest proposal. And on the other hand, you know basically. Uh, Small practitioners, you know, kind of small hospitals that you see, not just in Seoul, but all over South Korea, they they feel like, you know, they're already being squeezed by, you know, national uh, healthcare system that, you know, kind of really puts, you know, kind of screws on a lot of, you know, costs for services. I mean, you know, a lot of foreigners come to South Korea and they kind of wonder how cheap the, you know, hospital services are. And that's thanks to the part that, you know, we have a national healthcare system that really strictly, you know, regulates the prices and doctors feel like that, that system has gone too far. It's kind of uh, hindering their ability to, to deliver high-quality services. At least that's the claim. And, you know, this uh, this further goes uh, goes to the, you know, uh, what you d- described as degradation of services and quality that, 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 that doctors feel like has been the, uh, the trend. All right, so very good uh, devil's advocate. Well, I'm just <laughs> basically uh, repeating the talking <laughs> points of the game, man. Yeah. It seems like. Right, so uh, we have our Che uh, Dejit being channeled here uh, in the <laughs> studio. Uh, do, do you think they have a point? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, uh, both sides have some valid points. Uh, the uh, important point is how to keep these important and valid points in the right harmony because um, uh, many of them are in contradiction with each other. Uh, I'd like to just point out a very interesting trend that uh, Thomas Friedman, who has written a lot of uh, seminal uh, books on globalization, declares that in the era of globalization, you know, e- e- economy expands and politics shrink, right? And the government will be smaller and the market will be bigger in the era of globalization. But what we have witnessed uh, with the arrival of the COVID-19 in a pandemics is that more uh, reliance upon government intervention uh, in the society and in the market. Um, and another good example is the recent uh, tackling of the rising housing prices uh, in the metropolitan area by the Moon Jae-in government and the ruling party. Uh, it seems like uh, more socialist elements have been reflected in the government's uh, response to the 
uh, major challenges uh, to the contemporary Korean society. Mm. So um, the, this uh, proposal to increase the number of uh, medical students for the next 10 years in order to provide more reliable, affordable service in the uh, sectors which have not been so popular among doctors uh, is another uh, example of the recent trend uh, that the government is assuming more incentives and uh, leadership in guiding the market and the society. I'm not criticizing this trend per se, but uh, every choice involves opportunity cost. So um, as I said, that both sides have valid points, but uh, we need uh, uh, political leadership and public wisdom to keep these uh, seemingly contradictory clashing points in right harmony. Right. And uh, we are... uh, Because you do not want a bandage. You want the prescription. But we are in a crisis, uh, as you point out, uh, and uh, we are uh, also uh, very much mindful that uh, there are no libertarians, right, in in a crisis, uh, Professor Huang. The the idea then that uh, when we're talking about entitlements and and this idea that uh, medical students, supposedly the best of the best, but they are uh, ultimately, uh, at the end of of their studies, going to be providing what you can either consider to be a public good or even, uh, I mean, putting in more crass terms, a utility, something that is beneficial but also necessary for society, like providing electricity and water. Or you can talk about this in a free market context of these guys uh, are the elites of society. They've studied hard. uh, They need to be uh, adequately compensated for it. It's obvious that public opinion would be one-sidedly on the other side that they think that this is something that is a public good and needs to be affordable and available to everybody. These private doctors, again, uh, the uh, KMA, this lobbying group for for uh, clinic-owned doctors, they are going to constantly fight for this, and they're also going to constantly fight for things like privatization of medical services for wealthy foreigners and, and, and again, um, uh, elites. Do you think that uh, really the tide has turned against them and, and that uh, this is going to be a, a losing battle for them, or there is enough side, uh, you know, the, the, the warnings of socialism and maybe conservative media and conservative politicians, that uh, they can actually have a, a, a debate here that, that could uh, actually shift the tide of what we're seeing as a trend with Mooncare and all of these other supposed benefits for consumers. Well, I don't think this is a debate that is socialism versus capitalism or yeah. free market in the sense that medical mar- market around the world is nowhere free market. It's just impossible. I mean, look at COVID-19. I mean, it's infectious disease, has high externality. Right. You know, no one is by, every, everyone, you cannot be, you know, atomistic, you know, individual consumer when, you know, there, there's infectious disease going around, right? I mean, you know, if there are people poor who can't afford medical services and they can't get tested, you know, whole society is going to get infected. I mean, you know, it's kind of, kind of, really the zero. Uh, you know, it really lasers in on the issue that you know medical services by its nature, but the fact that you know doctors have far more information than you do, and the fact that diseases have you know incredible externalities, it just cannot be you know solved by free market. Right. And to the extent it is free market, you look at these societies like the United States, the outcomes are markedly you can arguably say, much worse than in areas where Absolutely. they're not. Absolutely. I mean, it, this is a kind of issue that needs on a high, high degree of coordination. Whether it comes from government or some other organization, we need coordination. I mean, it, there's just no way to uh, use free market to organize medical uh, medical care. I mean, the, the question now is, now who is going to actually do the coordination? And then it's, right now it's a, far, a fight between uh, you know, doctors versus government. Not, not you know, free market versus socialism. It's you know, who gets
has to you know get, get, be the you know driver in the seat in coordinating these issues. Yeah, and so bottom line, as you say, uh, the, the government is doing uh, various things that uh, re- involve government intervention, whether it's the real estate markets, whether it's uh, the uh, economy, and and providing increased uh, uh, social welfare expenditures, and maybe even uh, talking about uh, imp- uh, increasing the supply of doctors. Now, granted, if if you're getting the best of the best, and and more people who want to uh, be doctors are uh, entering the profession, and that in- involves then increased uh, supply of doctors, more options for patients, and maybe a lower of cost, it all considers to be a good thing. Um, and, and we can assume, despite this strike, that the government will kind of continue to implement this plan. Uh, what are then your thoughts going forward as to uh, what you have to look out for when you're saying balancing the pitfalls of this? Well, the pitfall that I would uh, foresee is the um, uh, maybe... Um bifurcation of the medical you know market that um, doctors would uh, uh, you know go want to go into the sectors uh, which is the which are most lucrative plastic surgery right plastic surgery and uh, uh, they do not really have to worry about um, you know serious liability for their service so you're, you're going to two-tiered uh, medical system one is for the public service and the other one is the other uh, personal service Um, that might be the uh, the future, um, you know, medical market we have to, you know, accept as a rea- new re- new reality on the ground. Any final thoughts, Professor Huang? Well, I, I guess what the, the the one issue that I might add is that I really wonder if the KMA thinks that going on strikes will you know, give uh, armed and political points with the rest of the the country. I mean, you know, I think it's going to be a tall order for them to you know, convince people that yeah, it's really for the the benefit of the whole country that they're going on strike, especially in time time of uh, you know the pandemic right, like like right now. Yeah. And uh, the the advantage that government has is that this measure is only temporary. It's not a permanent change of the system, but it's only for the ten uh, years from year 2020 to right. 2031. Well, uh, temporary or not, uh, that is going to be a source of contention, as we say, and we'll we'll see how the KMA ultimately responds to it and the public reaction uh, to both of them. Let's uh, leave it there. I want to thank both of our professors uh, for joining us. As always, appreciate your insights. We're going to have to say goodbye. Life Abroad is coming up next. We'll be back tomorrow for another edition of This Morning at 7 a.m. Until then, this has been Henry Shin. Goodbye.